listening to Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Yeah, the drums, they swing low. And the trumpets, they go. Oh, the trumpets are blaring as sports betting is legal here in the state of Massachusetts today. Got to go to your brick-and-mortar casino to get your bets in. Uh, We will uh, talk to Jenny Holiday from uh, Encore for a few minutes just to kind of walk through uh, some of the basics. That's coming up at 1130. Uh, Foyer, it was announced yesterday that Joe Mazzula is set to coach Team Giannis in the NBA All-Star game. Now, we know there's the best record in the East involved and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's did you go to the NBA Finals the year before? And they take uh, – anyway, so um, the uh, NBA PR put out a little uh, graphic last night. Um, Missoula earned the spot. Celtics clinched the best record in the East through games played on Sunday, February 5th. That includes the tiebreaker scenarios. For those of you watching on Twitch, you see uh, what I'm reading from. Only uh, the third time in the last 24 seasons that an all-star team will be guided by a first-year NBA head coach. Of course, it's on Sunday, February 19th out in Salt Lake City, which, by the way, uh, Danny Ainge will be there. And, of course, when Danny Ainge was looking for a head coach, he asked for Joe Mazzulla. Celtics said no. Will Hardy, I think, is the name of the guy who ended up going out there. Um but doesn't this add another layer of intrigue to all of this with Ime Udoka still just suspended for a year by the Celtics organization? Uh, now, granted, I know it's because of best record in the East and all that kind of stuff, but if you're Joe Mazzulla, aren't you checking all the boxes that you need to to eventually be named the head coach? Yeah, and I think the biggest question at the end of it, listen, if they win it, I don't even think it's up for debate. I don't think it's up for the bait. Um, and I think that's what they all expect to do. I don't think anyone assumes anything different than them winning the entire thing. Now, the question, in my opinion, even right now, was, okay, they're they're, they're the best team in the NBA right now, record-wise. Um, so how much credit do you give Joe Missoula? Like, start with that. You tell me, Gresh, how much credit do you give the Celtics for their success? Uh, Missoula is... I don't want to say he's every bit as much a part of it as Udoka was because Udoka got these guys in the second half of the year to buy into listening to someone other than themselves. But Joe Mazzulla clearly must have a connection to these guys because it's very easy for them to go back to the old ways. And yes, there is self-policing and they've got a different locker room this year and they got more veterans around. Guys like Malcolm Brogdon comes in with a great attitude. I accept my role. I'm not going to be a, a disruptor or anything like that. And Joe Mazzulla has been able to manage it all. So I give the guy a lot of credit in terms of where this team is at because it would have been real easy for it to fall apart. Real easy. Because think about it. See, I, see, it was I, really only a half a season of success. And then it was you you put the you know the whipped cream and the cherry on top of the Sunday that was last year because of the run that you made to the finals. But these guys, a year ago, we were talking about them bitching at each other or bickering with each other. Yeah, but I think like I, I will say the hard work was done by Udoka. Getting Agreed. them to that so that the, the that the hard work was done by him. 
But I, I, I think this was a team that was already on edge and irritated and spent the whole offseason talking about unfinished business, how they were, what the opportunity was, and how they let it slip away to the Warriors. So they were already self-motivated going into the season. I'm sorry, going into the offseason, then coming into the start of the season. Look at the difference in the way they started. Right? So do I think Joe Mazzula had a ton to do with how they started? No, I don't. Boy, I don't I, think he did. I think you're selling I, I, it no, short. No, no, well, I, but I do think. Because we you, found out a day before camp that Emei was out. My point that is. tore this team up. I know, but I, I just personally, looking at that team, based on their age, what they went through, what they have learned, and how motivated they were, I think they any person that you put in that they respected, they would have they would have uh, they would have listened to. Now you couldn't just bring somebody off the street because that's an outsider. I think that guy would be treated differently. Any of the coaches that were on the staff that they respected, I think they would have listened to. I think they would have given that person respect. Right. Now, now the hard part for Joe Mazzula is going to be in the postseason, is going to be in the playoffs. That's when you're really going to see if he's ready for the moment. So right now. I think he's doing a great job sending the right messages, you know, keeping them motivated, keeping them engaged, more importantly, because they're so good. How do you keep them focused? How do you tell them that this game matters and, and you know it's just a bunch of chumps? You know, so I think that is important. So I'm not, I'm not going to give them full credit for this yet because I think anyone that they had on that staff could have done what he's doing right now. Well, you nailed at least one part of that because oh, I, do, one part, huh? I do disagree with a lot what you, of it. Well, I think tell it's, me what you disagree no, with. I think, it's, I think it's hard to keep it together. I think it's hard to keep everybody going in the right direction and motivated. And I also think, too, that you, know, you just don't go from being guys waiting to break through to then hand-stamp self-motivators overnight. Yes, he's got a good locker room. But he hasn't lost these guys. And I do think that look at what Brooklyn went through. It was real easy for the two superstars to go, F this coach. I don't want this dude anymore. And it turned on a dime and it got ugly. In that league, it can flip quickly. And to me, that's where Joe Mazzula gets credit to where I don't know if you if you brought back uh, Larinaga from the Clippers, would, would they have picked up with it right away? There is the mutual respect there, but they do actually still listen to Joe Mazzulla when he talks basketball. Well, because he's not a but dope. You, no, but you, he's, not, he's not stupid. But you nailed a part of this in terms of the Udoka is looming, and if they lose in an Eastern Conference Finals, is it going to be real easy for the organization to say, well, the coach was the problem, and we're going to bring back Ime, and we're going to run it back again next year. That's the real, like, to me, that becomes the real elephant in the room. And don't you think for the players at some point, we, so the players are not only thinking, we want to we want to avenge the loss that we had last year in the NBA Finals, and that should be motivation enough. That's it. But does this team need, if they start to really get attached to Joe Missoula, and I have no reason to believe that some of those guys wouldn't be or aren't already attached with to Joe Missoula, they're going to go in to, say, uh, Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee, and it's, man, not only do we want to get back to the NBA Finals, but we don't want Joe to lose his job. Because if it is determined that the Celtics didn't go far enough because of Joe Mazzulla, how do you keep the guy in the organization and bring Ime Odoka back in? You've set yourself I, I up think, to potentially I think, lose the I guy. I think everybody knows, and they're all adults, and I think they all understand and are you know are realists and understand what happened, and they all know that he's not coming back. 
I don't think anyone in that locker room says, oh, gosh, I wonder what they're going to – how awkward is it going to be when Ime comes back? I don't think he is coming back. So, but they just but let they this, don't know that. I just who the players? Yeah, they don't know that. You put yourself in that position. You you want you gotta have hints and knowledge of what happened with him. Does anyone? Do you think anyone believes that he's coming back? Until they pull no, the, the, no, I don't think yeah, he's coming I back. Do. I don't think he's coming back. I think I think for some of those guys, it is the here's what it is, Christian. Even if even if what you and I just talked about, if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just had the same 30-second conversation that you and I just had in terms of the, nah, he'll never be back. Well, then why are they keeping him around? Why are they hanging him around? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. But that's the thing. If it is an option, it's it's not going to get out of the players' minds. And and to me, it's kind of the cloud hanging uh, over uh, this team right now. Hey, time for the MVP ladder check. And, uh, well, Luka Doncic had himself a pretty interesting night last night in Detroit. And galloping in to lead the way was Luka. And there's still, this is how the night started, and this is how the night is going to end with the Detroit bench and Luka exchanging words. Well, that's that. Don't want to get a technical right now, given that he's at 11 for the year and you're suspended at 16. Not even necessary. It seems like there was a little extra chirping going on with the bench tonight. Did that impact uh, it? was their assistant coach who started chirping in the first quarter. So they didn't like when I chirped back. Now they said play basketball. If they're going to chirp at me, I'm going to chirp back. I ain't scared. <laughs> Luca, by the way, dropped 53 last night on a night where they scored, I think, 111. I ain't scared. He ain't it's, scared. A, it's like certain guys, like, you know, you know, is he, are they chirping? Like, uh, is the coach chirping? Like, ah, you suck. You can't, you're nothing. You're washed up. And probably not. Probably more of a, you got to like encouragement to the other player. And he probably looks at it as a oh. sign of disrespect. So chirping is what coach in his right mind would poke him and try to antagonize him? Like, what coach? Like, you, you, you would take the opposite approach. You're awesome. You're awesome. Oh, you're beautiful. You're great. Like, let him feel too confident. Don't antagonize him. Don't, like, make him prove something to you. I think it was a different type of chirping because I look at it as, if I, and especially if it's an assistant coach, can you imagine what the head coach would be doing? Shut the hell up. What is wrong with you? You're making him mad. Oh, I disagree. I think you have the assistant be the guy chirping at the star because if the assistant gets teed up or thrown out, it doesn't hurt you. If it's the head man, then you got a problem. Every single time that he was chirping him, uh, he would make a basket. He had to fade away. Uh, you know, just get a layup. It was like he had. He was making everything he he wanted. He just couldn't miss. So he gets to fifty three. But I love the attitude. You know, but that's the one guy. It just like he's got the attitude where if he decides to take over a game, like he's going to do it. Why encourage it by poking away at him and trying to test him? I kind well, of feel like that was. That was stupid. And then he uh, drops 53 on them. So uh, this is on NBA.com. They have their Kia MVP ladder. Uh, and as of, I do believe this was uh, last Friday that they dropped this. They still have Nikola Jokic uh, ranked number one. Joel Embiid has jumped into the number three spot. 
Uh, his season averages are 33.4 points, 9.8 rebounds, 4.1 assists per game. Then there is uh, our very own Jason Tatum, 31.1, 8.7, 4 assists per game. And then it's Giannis, and then it's Luka. So you, you kind of understand who the top five are. Um, John Morant is kind of the other one who was really flirting around this sort of top five in the uh, MVP race a little bit. So it feels like regardless of who's around him, Tatum is kind of locked in that top sort three. of three spot, yeah. which is good. But what is this guy going to have to do? Uh, in like the final 15 games of the season to be able to separate himself from those other two so guys. So assuming that they're probably going to be, you know, locked into a spot, that number one spot pretty early on, right? Like at some point, time, don't you don't you think they'll have it clinched? They're only two up on Milwaukee right now overall in okay. the East, so, so they're going to have to play it out. I kind of think so. Okay, so that's good. Or at because, least down to the final week, right? Well, that's good because I would think mostly everybody's mind would be made up before that last week. I don't think anything he does in like the last game of the season is going to change somebody's mind, but at least they have to close it out, and he's going to have to keep playing. He's playing a ton of minutes, which I think at some at some point they're going to have to kind of you know tone back a little bit. But no, he's gonna. it's going to be impact plays more than, I guess, substance, right? Plays that you remember. Last second shots, uh, you know, taking over a game in the last three minutes of a game. Now, you don't need 35 points, 40 points. You need impact plays. Plays that say, wow, this guy makes a difference no matter what is going on. And when it gets real crazy and hairy and the circumstances are at their worst for us, this guy saves us. That's what I think he needs to do. Who has national TV games down the stretch? Well, that's the other one, too. That's another thing that's to look at. One. A lot of people that, like, sort of last couple of weeks of March and uh, heading into April, people take a look at those. Massachusetts sports betting starts today. We'll talk with Jenny Holiday from Encore uh, 15 minutes from now. But the Super Bowl betting in the first 20 minutes at one particular sports book in Vegas was freaking wild. Tell your smart speaker to play 93.7 WEEI. Grinch and Fourier on WEEI. Like we always do with this time. Betting on site at the brick-and-mortar casinos available today. In fact, going on right now at uh, MGM Springfield over at uh, Encore here in Boston. And uh, according to at least one texter, uh, Plain Ridge will get themselves opened up, uh, I guess, early this afternoon to be able to uh, take the bets if they already haven't. But, yeah, I got to tell you. Huh. So, um Sunday night, I'm getting ready to do the last Gresh show, and I start to see on Twitter people reacting to some of the numbers in the initial offerings by sports books relative to the Super Bowl. So this one is at Circa, which is uh, Circa out in Vegas, is an adults-only hotel. Wait, wait, what's it called again? Oh, uh, Circa. Here, let me, let me, here. (laughs) Ladies, Turf, write that down. No, no, no. Here's all you got to do. You want to see Fourier get distracted? Go ahead. Type in Circa Las Vegas Stadium Swim. While Christian gets distracted on that. At, on, so this is Sunday night, and I'll go Eastern time. 10.08 p.m. It's actually 10.08 and 53 seconds. 
the people at Circa dropped Kansas City minus two and a half. In less than five minutes, this is time-stamped, 10.08 and 53 seconds, 10.12 and 54 seconds. So it took four minutes and one second for the number to go from Kansas City minus two and a half to a pick Four minutes in that sports book. And then about 15 minutes later, at seven at a 10 29 and 51 seconds is when it went to Kansas City plus two and a half. Actually, it was at 7.22 p.m. So it was 10 minutes later. So over a about a 15 minute span, the number went from Kansas City minus two and a half to Kansas City plus two and a half. That's amazing. That is a five point line move. In like 15 minutes. So the guy. And that tells you what? So the guy who ran the Circa book said, hey, obviously people thought our number was junk. Look at the way the line has already moved to begin with. There were books that were kind of all over the place. Some had Kansas City as a small favorite. Some had Philly as a small favorite. Some books had a wild swing of it completely going the other way on them. I do think from a bookmaker standpoint, there is a little bit of division as to where it kind of started in terms of the initial offerings. So unless you were on this on Sunday night and you're literally sitting there and being like, I'm waiting for the numbers to start to come out so that you could go shopping, you could have found a great deal like this. I mean, think about it. It's now Kansas City plus two and a half. They were my, if you think they're winning the game, This is a gift to you. Like, I think Kansas City's winning this game. This is a gift. I'm glad I would have been on the wrong, or, well, what turned into the right side of this in terms of, okay, I know the the public and the the heavies are saying one thing, but you're going to give me what I think is the better team with plus points? Stealing money. Absolutely, yeah. In my opinion. Just back to your lead. I feel like we're bearing the lead. And that is? uh, The Circa Hotel, which, okay, so obviously it's this unbelievable pool, like outdoor pool, which you see all the time in in Vegas. He teed it up. Stadium swim, man. But that is, so it's like a huge, like, so the sports book is outside. I've never seen this before. Well, it's, so it is, everything's it's outside. Both, yeah. Well, I know, but, the, yeah, but the, this one yeah, you can specifically you can, you can swim you, up and make a so bet. instead of you know looking for stuff to get into, looking for trouble, you can literally just drink, hang out, and watch a game right outside. It's like if you have like because I during the summer I like I bring like my little TV, my little tiny little TV outside. Yep, and I just watch my sports there. That is and the best. Minus all the, the eye TV candy. Outside. Oh, yeah. I love doing is that. Is this like total dudes, though? I have a feeling it's all dudes at this sports book. Probably. Probably. He's shaking his head yes. No. No. Well, you know what it is, is that it's... He's winking. No. No, think about it. It's the easy way for... Let's say you're like a... a say you're around Terp's age, right? 21, okay. 22 years all old, right. right? You're living in Vegas. You got a feminino with you. Yeah. Is that where you want to go? The lady don't want to go hang out in the sports book. What if you go to stadium swim? Yeah. You get a couple of chairs. Wow. She sets up outside. Absolutely. You go in and do your thing. What a great idea. She's baking in the sun. Wow. It's Vegas, baby. I'm just saying, like, it is the perfect marriage it, of both. And then you can sit there, and she could be, you know, reading a book or 
tweeting a Kardashian or whatever. Meanwhile, you're able to watch literally all the games and you're hanging in the pool and all that stuff. See, I would think at, at, in this particular situation, like guys get in free. <laughs> <laughs> I don't this think they. I know they don't. I know they don't. There's not a. There's not a. Like, not you a, know. It's not like a doorman there. But this would be the only type of situation if this is some close, uh, you know, bar situation where dudes would get in free and the women would have to pay. My goodness gracious! I know. I know. Uh, okay. Well, it is a uh, boy. It's a. It's a big long, day for the state of Massachusetts. Long-awaited day here in the uh, state of Massachusetts, and uh, joining us on the Harbor One Hotline. Um, She's the uh, property manager. Basically, uh, she's the boss over at uh, Encore. Jenny Holidays with Gresh and Fourier to talk about uh, the first day of sports wagering in Massachusetts. Jenny, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Uh, so walk us through a little bit as to what it has been like on your end in not only playing the waiting game, but finally getting ready to be able to open the sports book inside your brick and mortar. Yeah, there was a lot that went into it. It's funny. I've been asked so often, gosh, it was such a long wait. And I know, you know, at a 30,000 foot view it was. But if you recall, the day we all found out it passed, what was that, like 5 a.m. the morning of August 1st? And everybody was immediately saying, oh, gosh, I hope we're open in time for NFL season, which, of course, terrified me because all of the things you have to do to launch a brand new type of wagering inside a large, integrated billion-dollar casino resort is a lot. So we had to make a lot of facility changes so that we didn't create bottlenecks of crowds. We know uh, how enthusiastic our Boston sports fans are, and we anticipate a large turnout. So you don't want everybody crowded in at the same spot. Uh, we had over 200 pages of internal controls we had to develop that were based on the regulations that were getting passed almost in real time. So really on our end, it felt like a sprint to the finish. So we're just excited beyond belief to celebrate today. Okay, so Jenny, so for a guy like me who may be a little intimidated or maybe a little, you know, unaware of exactly what I'm supposed to do, I run up, I get in line, I get to the I get to the ticket window. I was like, I want to put a hundred bucks on Duke. No, no, scratch that. I'm gonna put five hundred dollars on the Chiefs. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Is that basically <laughs> Am I am I am I on the right spot or is there a more of a like I guess a protocol to making these bets? Like what should I know? Well, the first thing you should know is we took that into account when we developed our operational plan. So if you are brand new to sports betting, then I would recommend that you actually go up to one of the wickets, which is what we call the live sports betting windows so that one of our ticket writers can walk you through your choices. If you want to use one of the sports betting kiosks, we've actually created an area upstairs next to our poker room uh, that we kind of call Sports Betting 101, where we have employees staffed with the betting kiosks hmm. to help somebody like you walk through those exact choices. Or if you're a pro, uh, you can walk in and um, scan your phone because we've launched this thing called uh, Bring Your Own Device where you can build all of your bets in advance. So if you wanted to sit home privately with all of the lines in front of you and go through all of the questions you just asked yourself, you can build your bet online. When you're done, it gives you a QR code, and you can walk in and scan it right on the kiosk. So we tried to address that through several initiatives. Wow. Holy cow. Uh, in terms of the turnout today and – 
you know, how quickly will you be able to kind of compile data, start to get an idea on sort of who is gambling, how they're gambling? Are, are you able, are you going to be able to at least get some sort of picture as to sort of the the breakdown of the gambler before we go online as well in the middle of March? I mean, we'll know a little bit, but if you talk to anybody who's launched both retail and mobile in other markets, um, mobile really ends up dominating. So we will definitely have some early data. It'll also probably be a little skewed and that we are literally launching at sports betting peak season between the Super Bowl and March Madness. Right, yeah. Um, so, so we're going to have to have some seasonality to learn what it means. But, I mean, the short answer is, yeah, we'll have tons of data right away. I personally am excited for tomorrow night. There's no big Boston game today. Tomorrow, both the Celtics and the Bruins are playing. So it'll be really fun to see the energy in the place tomorrow. All right, so we're talking to Jenny Holiday, Encore Boston Harbor president. So what can I not bet on? Like, So, I mean, is everything on the table, any sports game that is active that day or that night, I can place a wager on? Or how about even uh, future bets? Uh, yep, you can take you can bet future bets. Uh, there were four restrictions on things you couldn't bet on. So, for example, in Massachusetts, you can't bet on esports. You can't bet on chess. Uh, you can't bet on cornhole. Um, but Drone you can racing. bet on the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, I know, bummer, right? But you can bet on the Oscars. Oh, really? Uh, you can bet on any future sport. You you can bet pretty much on anything. Our bet catalog, uh, I think, had over two hundred and fifty thousand uh, different items you could bet on. So it's it's nice. When you look overall at kind of where the betting industry is going, and I'm talking about from the sports end. Are you worried at all that it's going to hit a bit of a ceiling? I'm curious from how people in the industry kind of view where the industry is going because, as you mentioned, you got a bunch of people out there that know what they're doing, but you have way more people out there who don't know what they're doing. Is there any worry within the biz that people will just come and try it and then just be like, well, okay, I did it, and then they don't kind of hang around as repeat bettors regardless of where they're doing their wagering at. You know, this is absolute uh, armchair. This is not based in data at all. But my instincts tells me that the answer to your question on how well sports betting does in any given market is based on the power of sports in that market. And because of that, I think Boston and uh, the greater Boston area and the Commonwealth at, at large represent a really great opportunity to redefine what that looks like. I, when I go to games, and, and I'm sure you guys uh, can back this up, the number of female sports fans in Boston is huge. And it's not just because I'm a woman myself. There are other games in the casino world that can be intimidating, like craps. And so one of the things I learned a long time ago is take something that's intimidating that has a lot of jargon around it and figure out ways to make it easy to understand for the average person. When you think about how many really avid sports fans we have, it's in our best interest to make it easy to understand. When you're watching a game with people who've placed a wager, it just changes the whole energy and vibe of the involvement and engagement. And it's just, it's a really great way to engage with our teams. And so we want to make sure that this experience is available to everybody, not just the Sharps. So let's just say, I know a lot of, I saw a lot of chatter um, on Twitter and online 
about about when Brock Purdy got hurt, and I've, like a lot of those bets were coming off the board. Is is that like a, you know normal practice where you place a bet, a guy gets hurt, and suddenly those prop bets or who wins or losses is actually money is refunded? Is there any situation where I would be refunded my money if something bad happens, like I lose? <laughs> <laughs> But a normal, you know what I mean? Normal situation, some sort of catastrophe or something like that uh, in game. um, No. So what happens is once you've placed a bet, you've placed the bet. So the odds might change for people who place the bet after you have. Um, But no, I'm I'm struggling to think of an example of where um, a whole bet would be canceled. I mean, I can only maybe if there was like fixing discovered or something like that but no what you just described those things happen in the normal course of sports betting and the lines move accordingly so because i can easily see somebody placing a bet like a prop bet and sure enough travis travis kelsey gets hurt and they probably come to the window and say listen this guy didn't even play i want my money back I can easily see somebody bitching and complaining. Uh, well, about there that. were there were those questions about once Brock Purdy got yeah, hurt, what I mean. would happen to kind of some of those? Yeah, yeah, that there's there's definitely some of those folks, and and I have a feeling some of them might live close to us, uh, but we just have to take those situations as they come. Uh, well, Jenny, thanks for the time. I know it's a uh, well, it's a very momentous day here in the uh, in the Commonwealth. Good luck with everything, and thanks for kind of uh, walking us through it a little bit. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, fellas. Have a great day. Okay, there goes uh, Jenny Holiday, uh, Encore Boston Harbor president, and uh, getting everybody up to speed in terms of figuring it out. They will. They will. It takes a bit. It just takes a while for people no, but to get acclimated. You, but you know, like in any situation, I can just easily see this happening. Like, well, wait, I want my money back. I want my money back. This game, uh, this guy didn't even play. Well, listen, sir, you're going to have to read the fine print. Uh, there are no refunds. Unless maybe like it's a boxing match and some guy like Fan Man, you know, flies into the middle of the rink. And I can easily see like some of these bets being disputed based on, you know, the natural outcome of the event. But listen, they... they they have literally made it possible for every single person, uh, expert, novice, middle ground, whatever, to figure it out. It's going to make it real easy. They want you to bet. Like, that's the key in this whole scenario. Oh, dear Lord, of course they <laughs> How do. How can we make it as easy as possible for everyone to spend as much money as possible? Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Gresh Fourier, W-E-E-I, Instagram, Gresh and Fourier, and... We're in the home of football's postseason. And, of course, we've got all the, the news and the takes and the games. WEI's coverage of the NFL playoffs sponsored by Wise Snacks. Go to wisegameday.com for your chance to win one of 100 authentic pro football jerseys. Speaking of gambling, we've got your lunchtime parlay next. WEI, WEI, New England Sports Original. Now, more Crash and Fourier. On WEEI and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. We are almost at the halfway point of this Crash and Fourier today. God dang, this thing is moving on Happy Betting Day in Massachusetts. And, well, see, this time slot, you know, everybody else... And I'm not doing the old Barry Horowitz, let's pat ourselves on the back. However, when it comes to the wagering world, there's been one time slot from the very beginning that has been talking gambling, that has been giving you picks to whatever degree of success. I'm not going to tell you that it's perfect, but we've been on it here 
at WEEI, and we continue. And now it even now matters even more because you might be riding around. You might be saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. I'm listening to 105.5 in Springfield. And I might go to yeah. MGM Springfield. I might Maybe go to Encore. D- listen on 93.7. Maybe you're 7. down in my neck of the woods. That's right. right. Maybe you're at Plain Ridge. Maybe you're going you're to Target. There. That's right. You get some toilet paper and go uh, make a couple of wagers. Uh huh. So it is time for the lunchtime parlay. Yesterday, we almost had a hit on a four-leg parlay, uh, but a man who has two stubby legs to stand on, Andy Hart, is the one that ruined it. Normally, he'd be peacocking around like the whiz. Oh, nobody beats me. (laughs) And uh, nope, he uh, porked us yesterday in what was a heavy favorite parlay, which is really hard to hit. If it were just the three of us, we'd have been in the cash. But anyway, I digress. Today's lunchtime parlay begins with me. Denver minus seven hosting Charlotte. I know that Denver might rest a player or two. Charlotte is not great. Denver's at home. Give me Denver minus seven. They should be able to uh, cover that number, I think, with ease. Billy, what do you got? All right. Come on, Billy. I wanted to garbage. You're you're, you're playing Newell. Yours are the Pelicans. No, I went Denver minus seven hosting Charlotte. Oh, wait a minute. Denver's host in New Orleans. Oh, no. Wait. Oh, New Orleans. I'm yep. sorry. So you, got, you got Nuggets, Pelicans. My bad. I, I wrote in Charlotte going old school. It's no, 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 no. So that was that was my bad in putting that out there. Because I, I have the Charlotte Hornets getting killed by the Bucks. Yeah, I said so it wrong. It was me, New Orleans. My bad. Give me the Bucks to cover the 10.5 points over the Hornets. That, that's what you get for trying to do two things at once. Anyway, go ahead, Terp. I'm going to stick with the NBA, and I'm going to go with the Lakers, plus one and a half on the road against the Knicks. The Knicks have lost five of their last seven. They're struggling without Mr. Robinson. LeBron and AD both sat last night, haven't played since Saturday. So I think they're well-rested, and the Lakers get the win. I was just going to say, are you worried at uh, Are you worried at all about, like, LeBron sat last night, and I think AD sat yeah, last night? Like, did. I don't know who the hell's playing for these well, guys. Well, I would say the bet that I would be looking for, even though I'm sitting this one out, I went out every time we start this, I wish I would have, like, done more research on it, but... Over and under for amount of free throws attempted by LeBron James, I would say I'm going to put it at like 15. Because this will be the first game back since the whole, oh, my God, they didn't be. You know, that's actually an interesting that point that Fourier makes. Of that the, would be the number I would pick. Like, if you can get LeBron going to the free throw line. At least at 10 over, times. Over free throws or whatever, that's actually not a that's bad That's what I would bet. pick. You know the refs are going to somehow try to apologize for God forbid, you know, not giving him everything that he wanted with those antics, the way he melted down on the court at that game against the Celtics. You know for a fact he's going to get every single foul. Lots of ghost fouls for him. That's my two cents. All right, so there we go. So we have Denver minus. We have the Bucks minus, and Terp likes the Lakers plus. It was three earlier. I looked on Sportsbook Rhode Island. It's now yeah, one Yeah, it changed and a half. when they said LeBron and AD are expected to play. There you go. All right, so there it is. So $10 will win you, ladies and gentlemen, $59.58. You could always throw a little more juice in there on that uh, three-teamer as well. 15 bucks would uh, jack you up a little bit more. If you are feeling froggy, and we will make sure to get those out via the social media channels, Gresh Fourier, W-E-E-I, Gresh and Fourier is where you can get us on Instagram. 617-779-7937. Fourier, I don't know whether I'm going to roll the dice on this or not. I don't know what this is going to be, but DJ in Hyannis has got... Some kind of point to make about Mac Jones okay. that uh, we will get to here. Hello, DJ. Who are you, Jones? Oh, DJ, are you underwater in Hyannis right now? 
No, my phone's jacked there up. We, okay, there we better. go. We can hear you better now. What do you have? Yeah, um, I just want to ask this question. Did he not tell Billy O'Brien he's been teaching offense in Alabama and then come here? I know Joe, Joe Judge is a joke. What? Here's okay. what I think DJ is going down the I road. I don't even know. Didn't That's... Mac Jones teach the Alabama offense to Bill O'Brien as they were crossing over, leaving Alabama, and he was going down the role of Joe Judge? Listen, here's the thing, DJ. Erase what you heard before. Joe Judge is not going to be near Mac Jones this year. Would you? Is that fair to say, Foe? Yeah. I don't think he's gonna. No, he'll be only time he's gonna cross path with uh, with uh, Mac Jones is when uh, during like maybe lunchtime or during a team meeting switch. That's it. Because Mac doesn't hold. No, so there's none of no, that. That's either, right. He doesn't right? hold. He's not gonna be involved in special teams. He may be the backup to the backup, and even then, he's not really getting any reps because the, the the holder doesn't ever get hurt. Right. That ever. Okay. So Joe Judge is not going to be a factor in terms of Mac Jones. No. I think Thank what God. I think what you're going to find is Bill O'Brien will either one of two things. He will either look at what Matt Patricia did last year and laugh at it and say, Ain't nothing here worth keeping. Let's go back to what we did. Or it'll be the same process as what Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien went through at Alabama. It'll be, well, here's a little bit of what we did last year that maybe that we like, or here's a little bit of what we did last year that we think might be able to work. Can you make it better? And then there becomes the blending of what was this year, what was 2021 for Mac Jones, and then wherever Bill O'Brien wants to take this thing. That's the way I think it's going to go down at least a little bit, but it's really going to be like 80 percent Billy O absolutely putting in it's, what he wants to and what they used to run here two years he, ago. I, mean, he, I feel like he has to. He cannot rely on anyone to teach. Not in the not the first year. The second year, I do think you can see a, a, a situation where he, you know, maybe he delegates a little bit more. But hell, maybe he ends up leaving. I have no idea. I, I have no idea, but this whole first year is all him. He's gonna treat the offense and specifically Mac, like he is the head coach. Like, he's got, he has to. Extra hours, just extra, like, you got to get that bond going. Hell, I'm seeing, like, all these clips from, you know, the East-West Shrine game, and even the, a simple slant route that he was coaching up, yelling at the quarterbacks because they were throwing the football behind the receivers. Mm-hmm. It was such an obvious coaching point. I'm running a slant. I want to catch it and run for another 20 yards. Don't throw it behind me. Throw it in front of them. I mean, I'm sure maybe it's happened. Maybe it hasn't. I have no idea. Maybe uh, Matt Patricia allowed the receivers to say that to the quarterback. I have, I don't know. Maybe the quarterback said it. Maybe the quarterback said my bad. Maybe Matt Patricia didn't even realize. Ma- I, again, maybe he did. Maybe he just. Maybe that's. I feel like that is part of it. Or he didn't know part how to communicate the, it. Exactly. So and since he doesn't know how, Gresh, he just doesn't say anything. Well, and so it, it's left. To chance when Bill O'Brien did the whole here's the box. Yes. This is where this you is, th- it's here's a picture the frame box, right, right yeah. here. There you go. I don't think I ever saw him physically explaining like a theory. Hey, here's how it works. Third step, he's breaking in. If it's if it's high, it's because of this. If it's low, hey, receiver, do this. If you see that Mac, you gotta throw it flat, right? He's protecting you. You gotta protect him. Right? It just to me it was 
it was uh, stuff I've seen all the time, you know, but I never really thought that they had a, uh, a clear understanding of. Uh, one thing we need to write down to note, a texter, Eric here, says, do you think a true fullback would help the Patriots? A few new wrinkles in the system might make a big impact. Well, you and I are going to have to unpack that because Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston talks football regression Fourier next.